what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan Jackson. I'm with the Jackson Group, a management consulting and survey services firm located in North Carolina. And with me is the co-host for the show, Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions, also out of North Carolina. Ed, how are you doing today? Excellent. How are you doing, Alan? Doing just fine, just fine. Uh, for all of you listeners, whether you're a longtime listener or a brand new listener, welcome. Uh, Stepping Up Service is the show here on the Mesh.TV network, where we talk about the world of delivering excellent customer service. Uh, this could be uh, information we share on how to build a better customer service culture in your organization, uh, how to deliver the best service possible for uh, customers, especially ones that are evolving over time and med- meeting the needs of maybe uh, today's consumers and maybe even how it's uh, different from where it was in the last several years. Uh, Ed's company, Customer Service Solutions, spends a lot of time working with organizations on improving that customer service culture. And we definitely encourage everybody to visit their website at cssamerica.com, where you'll find a lot of blog entries. You'll see uh, a new email newsletter you can sign up for, uh, some other information on the site. Very helpful to find out more about what Ed and his company are up to these days. Uh, but during this show here on the podcast that we put together, we take a topic every, every time we get together and go a little more in depth into that one aspect of customer service. We're going to do the, have the discussion here in just a moment. And at the end of the show, like always, we will each share our customer service story of the month. Ed, do you have a, a story to share with us this month? Yes, I sure do. It's a positive one, Alan. Okay, good. Well, mine's positive too. So that's a little bit of a tease for everybody listening is that kind of at the end of the show, we'll both share a customer service personal experience we've had. Uh, And this month, it just happens to be that both of them are positive, which is nice. So we'll have that at the end of the episode. But as we get into our main topic, Ed, uh, and this is, I feel like I say this all the time because every topic we talk about is something very important to me and the kind of business I have, as well as, of course, the business you have. And when we're talking about different aspects and different elements that make up a great customer service culture, occasionally we'll talk about the employees of an organization. That does come up in our conversations from time to time. And, you know, I think in in previous episodes, we've talked about the need to get employees understanding customer service, ways to help educate and train them on customer service delivery methods and, and improving those skills. But there's one aspect of employee, the employees in our organization and the kind of service they provide that I think is worth digging into a little deeper. And it's a topic you brought up that you like to discuss today. This idea sure. of how do we build a culture of employees that are engaged in the organization they belong to, with the argument being that engaged employees help us create that kind of culture we're looking for and can be more emotionally invested in delivering the customer service to the customers that we want. So this idea of how do we create emotional engagement with our employees? And Ed, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on this and this being a topic that I spend quite a bit of time in as well. That's great. Well, and and I'm glad you're excited about it. And excitement is part of the idea of emotional engagement. I mean, it's one of those positive emotions, uh, something that conveys positive energy. So, uh, yeah, excitement is what we're looking for 
from our employees. It might not always have to be in the form of, you know, the typical, uh, you know, statements of joy and laughter and, and all the, the fun things on a day-by-day basis. So we're going to describe emotional engagement in a couple different ways. But prior to that, uh, we'll, we'll walk through just employee engagement in general. How is it defined? Why is it important? That sort of thing. Great. So the idea of how do we create that emotional engagement with employees because we know that once you have that emotional engagement, uh, delivering excellent customer service or continuing to deliver that service becomes a lot easier job for an organization. So, great. Ed, well, yes. let's jump right into this idea of what is emotional engagement with employees. How is it defined and, and, and what's the value to the organization? Okay, sure. Well, when you think about what is emotional engagement, or let's just start a little bit even more broadly. What is employee engagement? Because that's a phrase that's used a lot nowadays in business. Uh, think about employee engagement as being people who work with a passion and feel connection to their organization. So there is that connectivity. There is that engagement. I mean, these are people who are basically on board. It, it's not just it's an employee who is here who feels a connection to what the organization's all about. They buy into the greater good that the organization tries to provide to the community, uh, to their customers, to the world as a whole. And, and there's a certain passionate component about it. So when you think about employee engagement, uh, let, let's use some of these broader terms. You know, it, it, there is a passion. There is a connection. It is to the organization. It's beyond the task that they do. It, it's to uh, gets to the point where we're talking about the organization as a whole and what the organization's trying to do. And the, the employee is engaged in trying to help the organization achieve its goals, have the kind of positive impact. These employees are what you would call on board. Right. And, and you know, even the term employee engagement, a lot of what we do with employee surveys that we conduct at a lot of organizations, when I'm asked about what is what is engagement, how is that different than satisfaction, I'll yes. typically say Engagement is the connection that the employee has to your organization, where satisfaction is what they experience day to day. They go into work and do they have a really good day? Are they satisfied with the work that they're performing? But the engagement is how how connected to the organization as a whole are they? Uh, even if things were to be a little more negative in the day-to-day workplace, if they have a high level of engagement in the company, they're more willing to stick it out and uh, be a part of the company regardless of any uh, negative issues day to day. So yes, yeah, that's that real connection. I mean, I think the, when we talk about engagement with employees. Right. And I'm glad you brought up satisfaction because that's a really good way to differentiate between how people might stereotypically look at morale or employee climate surveys. Like I know the Jackson group, your organization does a, a tremendous number of those on an ongoing basis, but how people differentiate between that and engagement uh, and the difference really uh, can be stated in one word, and that's action. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about just satisfaction of employees, you can almost view that in a passive sense. Am I, as an employee, satisfied with the organization, satisfied with how I'm treated? You know, am I pleased or displeased with certain aspects of the work environment? When you get into engagement, and you, through your surveys, are not just gauging satisfaction, but gauging engagement, then you're saying, okay, is this employee acting? in such a way that it's for the betterment of the organization, moving the organization forward, moving uh, the organization towards its goals, doing what the organization wants to do uh, for its customers, for its community, for its constituencies, its partners, et cetera. So when you think about satisfaction, 
think about I'm an employee, am I satisfied? When you think about engagement, think are we getting employees uh, to buy in so on board with what this organization's about, uh, what we're trying to achieve, that it actually leads them to behaviors and actions that facilitate the organization achieving its goals and having the kind of impact they're looking to have. Well, that's a great way of looking at it. I like that idea of, of it leading to action. Uh, you know, you can improve a process that employees have to deal with every day. You could put a new coffee maker in the break room. You could do some things that are going to enhance the overall day-to-day satisfaction. Yes. But you're right. It's the things that are going to lead them to actually want to take more proactive action to help the organization and improve things. That's engagement versus satisfaction. Very good. Yes. Point. Yeah. And when you think about that action component of it, you, your, your passion is to the point that you are actually going to take next steps. That There's that why question that comes up. But why is engagement and action important as opposed to just morale and satisfaction? And there was a, two, a 2013 study that Gallup uh, did, and essentially it looked at employee engagement. And these were some of – the impacts, the outcomes uh, of that employee engagement. Uh, organizations typically have higher customer satisfaction ratings when employees are engaged and they're taking action on behalf of an organization to move it toward profitability. Uh, when an organization uh, has engaged employees, are typically more profitable. Um, employees are typically more productive. You know, they're trying to get things done. They're not as passive. Turnover is typically lower. Because they do care about the organization. It's not just about their pay or the task they're doing. It's about the greater good, the greater value, what they're doing for their community, for the organization. Uh, Shrinkage or theft goes down uh, because people realize that when I'm stealing, I'm stealing from a company I care about. Uh, Absenteeism goes down because people, it's not just a matter of do I really feel like doing this task, this job today. For people who are engaged, it's like I want to go to work. I want to really be a part of this team that's part of this movement that this organization's behind. I mean, even quality gets better. Uh, You can look at things like safety incidents for organizations where that's a concern go down. So when you're thinking about the, the result of the action of engaged employees, you're thinking about characteristics of a higher performing organization. Oh, very nice. No, yes. that's great. And it's, uh, we've seen employee surveys shift over the years away from just pure day-to-day satisfaction-related issues to more of these engagement-related issues. Yes. Um, so we, we see that organizations are trying to be more and more in tune with measuring engagement of their employees uh, for all those reasons you were describing, all those advantages, all those benefits you get from having a more engaged employee workforce. Yes. So, the, you know, part of the, the question then becomes, since we're, we're talking about employee engagement, and, and I use the phrase and you use the phrase early on about emotional engagement, well, what is the difference or what is that higher level of engagement when you talk about emotional engagement of employees? Um, so when you think about emotional engagement, first of all, realize this isn't emotional disengagement. So when you talk about emotions, we're talking about employees who are engaged with positive emotions. So, for example, Employees who not only want to take action on behalf of or for the company, for the customer, for the community, but they're excited about doing it. Right. You know, they, they, they love their customers. That's a large part of their job or they love the team they work with. They enjoy doing what they do. So, so Alan, when you think about positive emotions 
that your employees convey or with some of your clients. Think about the positive emotions that are uh, results of or examples of employees who are truly engaged in what that organization is all about. What other kind of positive emotions might you see from employees in an organization that, that truly has engaged staff? I think there's a level of pride. I think you sense yes. a, set, a set of pride with the employees where they're very likely to brag about the company they work with out in the, out in the public and other people and uh, other organizations. I think you see a uh, kind of a level of commitment both to the work that they're performing as well as to the customers they're serving uh, mm-hmm. when there's that emotional engagement. I mean, I think it's, again, I, in the purest sense, I think it's really hard to see an employee performing the work at the best of their ability if they don't have that level of emotional engagement to the organization and the job that they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you see pride, you see commitment. I think you see a little more attention to detail just because, again, they're very focused on wanting to make sure the job is done right because they care about the kind of work they're performing. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot, of different, a lot of different attributes you see that stem off of, I think, an, an emotionally engaged employee. Yeah, those are great examples because Pride, we're actually working with one uh, education organization right now uh, on a culture change. And one of the rallying points is they want to double in their employee engagement surveys, they want to double the percentage of employees who say that they strongly agree that they are proud to work at their organization. And the reason why that's so important is because if you have employees who are uh, emboldened, they're proud to work at their organization, that comes through to the customer. You know, the workplace looks a little bit different. How they engage customers is a little bit different. Their, their desire to help the customer get the, need, get the need met is a little bit different. It's a little bit higher level. You talk about commitment. It's one thing to make a plan, but if you have emotionally engaged employees, they want to make sure that plan is put in place. Mm-hmm. They want to make sure those deadlines are hit. You know, they understand the downstream effects of, of delayed uh, project deadlines or the downstream effects of things not being completed as well. You talked about attention to detail. And when we talk about some of the examples of organizations and the outcomes they have that are more positive, we talked about safety incidents. We talked about yeah. quality. We talked about productivity. If you have employees who have greater attention to detail, that there's less risk of a safety issue. If you have employees who have a greater focus on detail, the quality will be more consistently there. If you have employees who really focus on attention to detail, then, then they're trying to be more productive. They're not trying to waste time. They're trying to get it done right the first time. So those are great examples of the kind of emotions that you want to see in your employees if you truly have emotionally engaged staff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So, Oh, go ahead. Did you have a comment? No, no. I was just going to oh. say, I think, I think you're right on target. And I think it's, uh, again, it, it's so easy for people to fall in the trap in organizations to think, let's just focus on making everybody happy day to day and comfortable and uh, get roadblocks out of their way, which is important. But it mm-hmm. is a whole other level of that engagement, that emotional engagement that just has so many other uh, benefits. It's, it's amazing to think of how it can ripple effect through the rest of the organization and eventually affect the customers by building that, that real level of engagement with employees. Yes. So before we actually get into the how to's of how sure. do we create that, uh, that uh, frontline emotional engagement with staff, let, let me just share a few examples or characteristics uh, of individuals who truly do care about the organization that they have that uh, emotional connection. Um, okay. One characteristic is that if you tie 
if you look at your employees and you think of what they value, mm-hmm. and then you think of what is truly documented and written down as the core values for an organization, if there is a link there, you have a better chance of having employees who are emotionally engaged. Let me so, let me repeat that to make sure I've got that. So if employees, their own values that they hold dear or have some alignment with what the company is kind of stated as their important values, then you've got a better chance of engaging that employee along the way. Sure. That, and that's a great summary. To Just to give you some examples, if one of the core values is openness for an organization and you have employees who value openness, hey, there's going to be more of emotional connection there. Okay. Uh, if you have as a value innovation and you have employees who value creativity, there's going to be more of an emotional connection sure. there. Okay. Yeah. If you have whether it's timeliness or responsiveness or whatever, um, the more that an individual's values align with the organization's values, then the easier it is to foster that kind of emotional connection to the organization. Great. Well, that makes perfect sense there. But uh, but it is something I think when you think about the hiring process, you're looking for new job candidates, new employees. Keeping that in mind, finding those employees that do state that their values are in line with what the company is. Um, Yes, you've got their technical skills. Yes, you've got their uh, work experience you want to you hold in high regard. But I think those values play a really important part. You've got to be thinking down the road. How do we make sure that we're going to be able to keep that employee engaged with what we're doing as a company? And if their value set is completely different than what the company's is, it's going to be a little harder, harder sale, I would imagine. Right. And that, that's a great point. Uh, after the break, uh, we are actually going to get into the how-tos of how do you create that emotional engagement. Great. But it's a lot easier to actually hire people in who have those similar values, who buy into what the organization's about, than to hire people in who don't have that alignment of personal values to organizational values, and then to try to create emotional engagement from scratch. So that, that's a great point we'll talk about in a few minutes as well. And when we think about this emotional engagement of the organization, along with having common values, you want to have employees who support the mission and vision of the organization. Mm -hmm. So if you're an organization that doesn't have a defined mission or vision, there's a major gap right there. So you need to look at, do we have these foundation statements and are they bought into potentially in some ways? Um, The voice of the employee was, was, uh, thought of and incorporated it into the development of the mission and vision. If you have that, you have a greater chance of emotional connection, of buy-in, that sort of thing. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's a couple other points. If they believe in their leadership, they're going to be more emotionally engaged. If they care about what you do, for whom you do it, we've talked about that before. And then they enjoy what you get out of it. Uh, you know, something that reinforces their values. And we're going back to values. But again, you know, if they enjoy the process of moving toward and with the organization toward their goals, then you're creating greater emotional connection with the organization. Very nice. Very good. Would it be a good time for us to take a quick break and then come back and talk about some of the actionable things off of that? Yes, let's do that. And when we come back, uh, I'll give you one example of an organization that really does a great job of having an emotionally engaged community. employees. And then we're going to talk a little bit about you, Alan. Oh, we're, we're, my yes. favorite topic. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> but but I'm going to put you in a position that'll excite you even more. So wow. we'll, we'll talk about that after the break as well. Cannot wait. That's going to be fun. We'll, we'll come back after the break. We are talking about creating that emotional engagement with employees. We just recap for you some of the reasons why you need an emotionally engaged workforce, the benefits that come about from that, 
Uh, but after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about some how-tos and go through some examples, it sounds like. So you're listening to Stepping Up Service here on the TheMesh.TV. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we're the co-host of Foot Candle Films, a movie review and film discussion show here on the TV. Each episode, we talk about some new movies, cover some film news, and have some recommendations. And trust us, we're just as likely to talk about the latest Jim Jarmusch film as we are the newest Transformers installment. Hold on, don't get too crazy. Uh, well, okay, maybe not that bad. But you can find our show and all our episodes on TheMesh.TV. Plus, you can subscribe to get new episodes delivered right to your computer or mobile device. We'll see you in the ticket line. Welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. As a quick reminder, you are listening to this show on the TheMesh.TV network. That is a network of podcasts and audio programs and some video programs that have been put together that are all available on the internet. It can be found on our website, TheMesh.TV. All of the programs on the TheMesh.TV are free, free to subscribe to, free to download, free to listen or watch. And you can download or watch them on any uh, internet-connected device you'd like, whether it's your laptop, computer, whether it's your uh, uh, internet-connected TV. There's ways to do that. Your mobile phone, tablet, or anything else. We do encourage you to visit us at themesh.tv and check out all the other shows available on the Mesh Network. Or you can also go back and listen to past episodes of this show, Stepping Up Service. And we also really do encourage you to consider subscribing to the show whether that's through Apple iTunes and the podcast store or other uh, podcast applications you may use. Subscribing to the show ensures that you get downloaded to you the latest episodes when they're available without you having to go hunt them down. and keeps you in the loop of our show and make sure you get all new episodes sent to you when they're available. So that's TheMesh.TV and the show here, Stepping Up Service. We thank you so much for listening to us and uh, hopefully subscribing or giving us feedback. We'd love to hear from you. So, Ed, we're going to get back into our topic here. We were starting in the first half talking about this idea of creating an emotional engagement with employees. And really, the first half, we were talking about the reasons why you want to do this, why it's important to the organization, the impact it can have on our customers and the customer service we provide, and just the overall benefits that an organization can experience when they have a really emotionally engaged workforce. So now let's talk a little bit more on the practical side, kind of the how to do this. What are some examples of ways we might want to consider building and creating that emotional engagement with our employees? Yes. And and to illustrate why this is important to be intentional about it, you really have to make it happen. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question and then paint a little picture for you. So are you familiar with Southwest Airlines, Alan? Yes, absolutely. Sure am. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to ask you just a real quick question and then tie it into this whole conversation we're having on employee engagement. But when you think about Southwest Airlines and you think about their culture and how their employees act and operate, what, what, how would you describe the employees of Southwest Airlines? I, I have always heard, and I don't get a chance to fly Southwest much at all, but always heard the reputation is just outstanding customer service from all the staff there. They're the ones with the really, uh, really pretty inexpensive fees rates as well too, right? That is? Yes. Yeah. So Southwest, but I've always heard the, the customer service and kind of the the attitudes of staff are always top notch. Again, I don't get a chance to fly much, but that's that's the mentality I've got when I hear the name Southwest Airlines. Yes, and, and very fun uh, experience when you're on their planes as well. And uh, I, I've seen videos of people giving the instructions, the, the flight attendants giving instructions in a fun way. That they'll just start singing uh, in the middle of flights. You know, it's just a very lively 
fun, uh, very engaged type of experience for the flyers. And apparently, you know, that really stems from the culture of the organization. Yeah, sure. Now, West Airlines, and I want you to juxtapose how we just described the the actual culture to this vision. It says, our vision is to expand our locations both domestic and overseas by being the largest and most profitable airline company to achieve both short and long haul carriers efficiently and with low cost. Also to be an airline carrier that has the most productive workforce to guarantee the best flight possible for each and every passenger. Hmm. Now your your borough is frowned, yeah. Uh, or is you know why is that, Alan? Well, it just sounds like uh, the description you were giving me before about the fun and just real energetic. I don't really hear that anywhere in their mission statement. Um, I hear productive workforce, but I, yes. I see that as a little different. But uh, I guess I'm a little. I feel like there might be a little bit of a disconnect there. Am I right in saying that? You're you're exactly right in in perceiving that that's the case because what the vision is doing is it is conveying what the organization wants to become, and they're being very specific. We want to have low cost. We want to be very productive in our workforce. We want the best flight possible for each and every passenger. Uh, so it doesn't sound fluffy. It doesn't talk about fun and and this sort of look at some of these characteristics. How do we get a productive workforce? How do we guarantee that every flight is the best possible? How do we guarantee that every passenger has a good experience in every flight? So they can take a lot of these outcomes and objectives and levels of performance, and then they go through a process of saying, well, what's the how-to? Mm-hmm. And then they land it on a culture that is very fun and engaging and empowering, and you do all the nuts and bolts, but you do it in such a way that it creates a great experience for each and every customer. So this is why it's so important that if you have your articulated vision and you need to have that, and even if it is very business-oriented, you need to go through the process of saying, well, what would in our culture create that kind of performance level? And that's when you get into how do we get that defined, that how-to pathway defined between our culture and the outcomes we're looking for, and then how do we get our employees engaged in what they need to do, the actions they need to take? There's that actions word again. They need to take in order for us as an organization to have that level of performance. Okay. So we're going to go through this process with you, Alan. And okay. we're going to start with you being the CEO of your own string of movie theaters. Ooh, now you're talking my language. Yes. Yes, I am. And Chris, too, if he's in the office there Yes, with you. Chris, our yes. studio engineer today, is sitting there nodding his head. He's very enthusiastic, ready to play along as well. So, great. All right. So, in a perfect world, Alan, and maybe Chris, as your vice chairperson, uh, what is your vision for the, the perfect kind of, uh, of movie theater, this this uh, string of different movie theaters you, you own. Paint a picture of what the this perfect movie theater organization looks and feels like, that sort of thing. Um, okay. So to me, a perfect movie theater organization would have employees that generally care about the movies and the, 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 the shows that they're showing and are willing to engage our customers in the experience of it, you know, talking with them about the movies they're about to see and kind of helping explain what the, what the movies are going to be like and creating an environment of warm welcomeness that's over and above just a come in, sit down, watch a movie, get up and leave. So employees that are all bought into that same idea 
a very relaxed, comfortable environment, one where people feel like they can share their experience with each other, both customers and employees. Okay. That's in a nutshell. Uh, and, that's a perfect world there. So, All right. That's an excellent vision, Alan. Appreciate you sharing that. And just to kind of set up this how-to piece, let, let's talk a little bit about performance. So you have this string of movie theaters. Uh, what, what do you want your sales to be like in this uh, string of movie theaters? Describe sales? That. Sales. Like, you know, people coming in, buying tickets and all that, describing what that experience sure, is sure. like. Um, yeah, you know, I want it to be warm, hospitable. I mean, I want it to be, uh, uh, you know, knowledgeable people administering the sales. And is that what you're looking for? Yeah, that that is a great definition of vision, Alan. So just to kind of set up this uh, how-to conversation, I'm just going to ask you a couple of additional quick questions. Like. Sure. Uh, sales, for example, if we're talking about performance, you know, what, what is the outcome you're trying to look for? Describe the sales you're looking for from your chain of movie theaters. Uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Better than the alternative. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I think movie theaters are a tough business these days, but we'd be happy if it was a slowly growing over time because of, uh, of, of client growth and a good word of mouth. We see some sales numbers start to grow over time and, and really, uh, it may be a slow growth, but it's still a growing every year type of sales a sales approach to our organization. Okay, great. And, and, and describe for me how you all are going to be in, in the competitive aspect of things. Like sure. how are you going to perform relative to those competitors out there? Uh, I think to against the competitors, we want to be a more unique experience. We want to have a better reputation for uh, just a more – inviting environment uh, and we want to be known as doing something a little outside out of the ordinary and being a, a more of a destination place for people as opposed to a, a commodity like some movie theaters could be. Okay. That's really interesting. And, and you did a good job of painting the picture there. And it's probably you. your and Chris's vast experience with going to movies that uh, movies can be viewed. Movie theaters can be viewed as a commodity. So what makes you unique? What makes you inviting? What sure. makes you outside the ordinary, that kind of destination. So um, if you wanted to have an organization that was growing uh, mm -hmm. with, within the existing theaters just by adding theaters, and, and you want an organization that really creates a unique atmosphere, isn't welcoming and inviting to others, almost feels like a destination as opposed to just uh, literally a, a delivery tool uh, for movies, um, what kind of culture do you need in order to have that kind of performance, that growth, that uniqueness, that welcoming, that inviting, that, that destination feel, what kind of culture do you need? Well, it, it sounds a little obvious given the topic of our show, but uh, our program, but you know, it needs to be a very service minded culture. It mm -hmm. needs to be employees who in, really like the kind of work they're doing and enjoy helping bring customers into the movie theater experience. You know, it's a, uh, yeah, I think I think it's got to be that very service-oriented culture and focused on the customers, not just whatever we're projecting up on the big screen. Okay, good. And you also talked earlier on about the uh, fact that you have employees who love to talk about movies. They care about the movies, and they like to engage the customers in that. So if you were to think about your movie theaters, Alan, and you wanted to have these employees who were truly passionate about the movies, you had – this uniqueness, this inviting and welcoming characteristic and this outside the ordinary destination kind of feel where people enjoy going there and people enjoy working there and it's very service-minded, 
these are some of the things. These are seven different things to think about when, when you are trying to do the how-to. How do I create this emotional engagement? The first okay. is you need to do what you just did. You need to define what kind of culture that your organization needs. You know, literally articulate it, document it, maybe a statement of desired culture, which we've helped many clients to generate. This is the kind of culture we want, and that'll inform, like you said, the people you hire, or maybe that's part of the core values. But the first thing you have to do is you have to articulate it. You have to document it. This is the kind of culture we want. These are the values we're going to use to engage each other and engage our customers. Okay, great. The the second talks about uh, we need to make sure that we're exhibiting those types of behaviors uh, that we want to see in our leaders. So the leaders have to be the models. The leaders have to be um, those that are really driving this kind of initiative forward. So they are the ones that are movie buffs themselves. They are welcoming their employees every day. They are very customer service minded, even when they're staff with their partners. You know, when they're talking to their employees, they're conveying that that is the most important person in the world uh, to them at that period of time. That's number two. Okay. Number three, mm-hmm. if you want to have emotionally engaged employees, and this applies to any organization, but you want to clearly match the skills of your employees with their job duties, or either that or modify the job duties to better match their skills. So think about yeah. the old rent round peg in the square hole or vice versa. If you have employees who are being asked to do things that they're not comfortable with, then they're not going to be engaged. Mm -hmm. And what might be an example of that where you want employees who are movie buffs, they proactively engage customers, they're service-minded, you know, they're they're very welcoming and inviting. What would be an example of that being a job description but an employee skill or orientation that really doesn't match that? Well, you know, if you bring in somebody that, let's say, is really technically skilled at doing some of the more behind-the-scenes technical aspects of the job – running the projectors and controlling all the the wiring and the programming of everything. But you want that person, you decide you're going to have that person fill a job that is customer-facing, uh, ticket sales or concession stand or ushers. It's not a good fit. And I think yes. that's where you have to understand the skill sets and you know, not always feel like you just got to force somebody into a job because that's the job you need at the time. Right. Yes. Yeah. So you may want, and that's an excellent example. You may want to do a lot of cross training, but if cross training means that you have people who are not comfortable in the position you're putting them are not skilled in that position, they don't like doing that type of work. They're much less likely to be emotionally engaged and want to be a part of this organization long term because you're trying to fit them into a role where they're just, not comfortable. Sure. Absolutely. Um, number four, how to is you have to communicate, communicate, communicate those values or communicate that desired culture. So as with any kind of foundation statement, you just can't create it once. You have to be very intentional about constantly talking about this is what we value, constantly talking about this, is the kind of culture we want, constantly reinforcing with uh, people when you see them exhibiting those types of desired behavior. So that ongoing intentional communication around what's expected of folks through the values and toward that kind of culture has to be a part of what this organization's about. Absolutely. Keep that communications going and make sure it's always visible to everybody. So, yes. Uh, right. Uh, the fifth point in terms of the how to, how do you create emotionally engaged employees? Uh, you alluded to right at the start of our podcast, you have to hire people who care about what you do and for whom you do it and what your values are, especially managers. 
the biggest disconnect between any organization's desired culture and their movement toward that desired culture is if they don't have managers who buy into it. So if your managers are not the main ambassadors of your organizational values, they're not if they're not the main models of what you're expecting your employees to be like, if they don't exhibit those kind of tools and attributes and skills with employees, it's not going to happen. So if you want engaged employees, you need managers who are really going to be engaged themselves in the organization and the values, et cetera. Absolutely. Yes. And that actually ties into our last two how-to tips. Mm -hmm. The first one is really talking about what these managers and any employee for that matter has to do every day. Every day, if you want to have engaged employees, you have to respect employees and convey that you respect those employees. You have to appreciate those employees. Literally, studies, and this goes back to the Gallup study, uh, studies have shown that if you have engaged employees, they are every day feeling that they, they and what they do is respected. They are every day being appreciated for what they contribute to the organization. And tying into that is every day those managers as well are trying to ensure that there is something enjoyable in what the employee does. Even if it is a rote job, a repetitive job, something they do 70 to 80 times answering the phone a day or they're, they're visiting with and talking to 100 customers a day, the, the manager in engaged organizations, organizations with engaged employees, the manager is intentionally trying to make sure there's some kind of an enjoyable aspect to what the employee does every single day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And the final uh, action that you can take as a, as a leader of any organization that really gets at the how-to, how do I create engaged employees, emotionally engaged employees, again, focus on the everyday, but it's kind of the flip side of what we talked about, respect and appreciation and having something enjoyable. It's the managers have to work to reduce daily stress inducers. Hmm. You know, what creates stress for an employee? Is, is it... Uh, a manual process that should be automated? Is it putting them in situations where customers are complaining because something wasn't working online or, or another department didn't return a call or a product was defective? What is causing daily stress for employees or what is causing situations where employees are having to deal with anger on a daily basis mm-hmm. or, or customers who t- tend toward anger or coworkers who tend toward anger on a daily basis. This is the seventh how-to of creating emotionally engaged employees. You're trying to reduce those situations that create stress for employees, create anger uh, among coworkers or between uh, customers and employees. And if you can do these seven things, define those values, communicate like crazy about them, you can model those kind of behaviors. You can clearly match the employee skills with what their job skills uh, requirements are. You're hiring the people, especially managers, who are, are aligning to the organizational values and, and they care about what you do and for whom you do it. And then every day that employee experiences respect. Every day they do something enjoyable. And then every day the stress inducers are lessened and lessened. And those opportunities for dealing with somebody who's angry are lessened and lessened. Study shows that employees who have more of the positive every day and have less of the stress and anger they have to deal with every day are more emotionally engaged. You know, Ed, as I look at this list of the seven items that you just described, um, you know, yeah, all of them, very important. I, I, I totally agree with that. What's interesting to me is that some of the ones are, I don't want to say easy, because, I mean, there are ones that take intentional thought and work, but, you know, you're defining your culture. 
and you're kind of looking at when you when you take a look at your employees you've got and matching them with the skills that they portray and which ones fit your your culture and, and all that. Those are the ones that there's a process involved in doing that. There's a lot of energy and effort. But the ones yeah. I think that are probably the ones where everybody starts to fall apart is those last few where it's that every day showing the respect and reducing those stress inducers and especially the communication, keeping that communication going. The ones that are more routine, I think are the the real challenge because mm-hmm. an organization can take a real focused effort and say, Hey, we're going to spend the next couple months defining our culture and really focusing on matching employees to the right duties and making sure we've got everybody in the right place. Mm-hmm. But then it's that ongoing process that I think becomes a challenge for a lot of places but it sounds like those are really the ones that you have to keep in place or else everything just starts to fall apart or goes back to the way it was and you lose all the value that you were trying to build up. Yeah, that, that's a great observation. And I, I'm sure a lot of your research that you do with employee engagement uh, has uh, resulted in comments from employees where they talk about, yes, they're launching this new initiative, but it's the initiative du jour. And then yes. a year from now, it's going to be something different. And it's because organizations – oftentimes are really good at coalescing around a certain project or initiative. And once they launch it, they're like, we're done. We're done. But the reality is, yeah, if you want to have an impact, you truly want to change the culture, you truly want to get your employees engaged, it has to be an all-the-time thing, an everyday kind of thing. You have to be intentional that every day we're going to talk about or in some way reference our values every day. I'm going to be respectful of others and show appreciation for others. Every day I'm going to try to think of something I can do to make this enjoyable for staff. And I'm going to try to reduce those everyday stressors, reduce those everyday anger inducers as well. Absolutely. Some yes. great points. So seven really important key, uh, key actions to take to make sure your organization is building the best emotional engagement uh, connection with your employees as possible for the reasons we described at the beginning of the show, why it's important to have that emotional engagement with your employees. The end result here is providing a better level of service to customers. And everything yes. is kind of a map to that end result if we have a better engaged workforce along the way. Some great, yes. great ideas, great, fa- great steps to take. But again, I will stress some of those may seem a little more easy to do, but those ongoing ones are the ones where you really got to have your organization on board ready to put the long-term time into doing this on a regular basis or else you don't reap the benefits that you're going to try to, try to gain from this. So, yes. Yeah. Great yeah. point. Good. Ed, thanks so much for the conversation on that. So we're sure. talking about emotional engagement with employees. We talked about uh, what that means, the definition of engagement, and especially an emotional engagement, the benefits that could come out of that, and then seven specific points on what to do within your own organization to build that emotional engagement with your employees for the reasons we described earlier. So Ed, as we wrap up our show here, our conversation, we always like to have our, our customer service stories of the month. Again, these are personal stories or experiences that you and I both had in the last 30 days since we recorded our last episode that we want to share as examples. Uh, Sometimes they're negative examples. Sometimes they're positive uh, that we hope the viewers can take and learn from and and use in their own organizations. So, uh, Ed, uh, you've been talking for a good while, so let me me relieve you for a moment. I'll go ahead and tell my my story, (laughs) and then I'll let you you finish us up here. Mine is a really, really simple one, but – uh, but it still just amazes me every time I encounter it. And, and it may harken back to something you may have given as an example months or years ago. I don't quite recall, Ed, but so I, my apologies if it's one that's actually been brought up before. Um, so there is a new uh, fast food restaurant in, in my area within the last uh, six or seven months. 
it's a famous uh, chain. I, I guess I can give the name just because I might as well. It's a positive example. Um, Chick-fil-A. I so, knew you were going to say Chick-fil-A because <laughs> you said it was positive. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little, you know, I like Chick-fil-A. I, I don't know what it is they put into their chicken, but I am somehow physically, uh, I don't want to say addicted. That's a strong word, but I really do enjoy Chick-fil-A uh, sandwiches in general. Uh, it's to a point now where unfortunately they built one that is in between my house and my office. So oh, I drive, I drive right by it every <laughs> single day, twice a day. And wow. um, that makes it a little tricky. Uh, to not pull through the drive through there. But I will say the thing that just amazes me about this organization more than anything else, they've got a lot of, I've noticed it's a lot of young, younger people working there. Yes. You know, these are high school, college age students working there very much like any fast food place. But I have never been there and not had the people on the, on the speaker phone, people at the counter, people at the, at the window, talk to me in the most respectful manner possible. That's it's never happened where that didn't happen. Even to the point of saying, you know, of course they, they follow their script of how can I serve you or what can I help you with today? And they repeat your order back and they say, is this correct? And I say, yes, it is. They said, well, it'd be my pleasure to serve you. Is there anything else we can do? Thank you so much. I mean, it's just all the pleasantries you want. And they've got it down to a science where it doesn't sound like it's forced. It doesn't right. sound like they're just having to read a script where you can tell somebody's saying the words, but they're not really meaning it. They've built that culture of, yes, this is the experience you're going to get from the people we have working there. And I couldn't tell you going into that restaurant who's a manager, who's an employee. I have no yeah. idea. That's interesting. You know, I, I, everybody kind of blends together in that it doesn't matter if I walk up to the counter Somebody who very well could be a manager. I don't know. They're not working at the line. They're just roaming the restaurant. Maybe they are a manager, but they're still going to help refill the drink and be very polite in doing so and ask if there's anything else they can help do. I'm just amazed by the culture they've built into a fast food restaurant, a place where we have kind of gotten used to as a culture, knowing that the people are going to be more times than not quick, short, following the little customer service script and not really meaning it. And it's just, I'm just amazed every time I go through a Chick-fil-A, they've got it down to a science. And, you know, I think we have two in Hickory right now. And it's very, it's a universal, um, universal attribute at both places I've been to. So I'm, I'm just still amazed. And I only reason I'm bringing it up yes. is because even just yesterday, I, I went through to get a, a sandwich for lunch and just still amazed with the, the kind of level of service I get there. Yeah, and I imagine that there are always cars in line when you go there. Uh, I imagine it does a great business. So this is, again, that link to profitability and sales and all that sort of thing. Well, and, and that's the thing that amazes me is that, you know, it is so busy and people could say, well, it's really good food. Yeah, it is really good food. But I guarantee you that if the service was not what it was, uh, people would overlook the food after a yes. while and probably still go other places or not be as drawn to that place as they are. But I guarantee that service really, really helps keep the lines full like it is. Yes, so. yes. And that consistency and they charge, you know, it's not cheap to go to Chick-fil-A, but, no. you know, they still have plenty of business. It goes back to the old people will pay more for better service. You know, they will pay yes. more for consistent quality. And, and that's what's part of their business model. Well, it's a little bit of the, I mean, on a much larger scale to some degree, but, you know, the Apple computer model that they're going for, the whole phrase of, yes, they'll pay a little more. I mean, the studies yes. have shown that people will pay more for a Apple device, but it's generally because they know they feel like the quality and or service 
is at a higher level, so they're willing yes. to pay for it. And I do think that's the way this from a, on the fast food market. I mean, I think that's that's where Chick Fil A's positioned themselves too. So yes, yeah, great. great point. Yeah, just a quick aside. You talk about Apple and quality. Uh, I told my daughter for the first time in uh, I guess a year and a half since I've had this Microsoft oriented device, which has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the blue screen of death. And I've always been a Microsoft person. I've had that many times over the years with many different PCs. And she, who's an Apple person, said, what is the blue screen of death? Mm-hmm. So here's an Apple person who's not used to technical difficulties. And here's a PC person who is used to seeing the blue screen of death multiple times and has its own acronym associated with it. So <laughs> it, it is, you know, again, I, I think you you look at your your spending, you look at the money that comes out of your pocket in exchange for the quality of the product, the service you get. And there's a lot of times where, you know, yes, there's places where you can go and you go because it's cheap. It's inexpensive. You know, going in, yes, I'm spending as little money as possible. The products and quality or service are going to be subpar, but I feel like it's a, it's a fair trade. And then you've got the other end of the extreme where, yes, I'm spending more money, but I am getting more out of it. So, you know, every consumer has that calculation going on in their head, every transaction they're making. And uh, I love seeing those organizations that have figured out that we can charge a little more, but to do that, we have to guarantee that the service and quality are there. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that try to charge more, but don't back it up with the service and quality don't normally last. Same goes on the other end too. So yes. yeah. 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 Well, well, what's, your, story, what's your story to share? It's mostly positive And uh, it started out with the fact that for years, the shower in uh, my bathroom has had a slow leak. Okay. Uh, and recently, the leak has gotten faster, and it's gotten to the point where we now have buckets under the shower, just so we're not wasting that much water. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got to the point where, you know, this is kind of silly. We need to get this fixed. And I had tried a couple of years ago to fix it. It wasn't what I thought was the way to fix it was with the shower head, since that's where it's leaking. But that's not really the cause of the leak. It's actually a valve in the handle. Mm-hmm. So I called my local uh, home improvement store. I asked for the specific model I need. They said, no, we don't have it. Unfortunately, you could order it off the website. And before he hung up, the gentleman said, oh, but that's a Kohler. Kohler has lifetime guarantee. Why don't you just contact Kohler and see if they'll just send one to you? Okay. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. You know, it's a $40 part. I doubt they'll do it, but I'll give it a shot. I uh, called up their phone number at Kohler, and they basically made it sound like they don't answer questions on the phone anymore. Uh, so you have to go through the email. So I thought, oh, this will be great. Mm-hmm. You know, sarcasm there. Yeah. Uh, so I did send an email in from their website. I got an auto response. It said uh, they'll reply back in one to three days. R- right at the end of the deadline, I got a direct email back, uh, and it said we would be happy to fill out. Hmm. Uh, uh, we would be happy to send you uh, a free valve. We just need you to clarify which valve you need. They sent me a direct link and had three different types of valves. Uh, so I um, basically uh, called them up because they wanted you to call them after you determine the valve. I talked to a gentleman, got on the phone quickly with him. He said, OK, we'll be happy to send that out to you. I'll send you a confirming email and you'll get the part in a week. And basically I got the email literally about two or three minutes after we chatted. And so I should be expecting uh, that valve in about five days. Hmm. So it's one of these situations where um, it wasn't necessarily perfect 
customer service, but mm-hmm. from the uh, home improvement store gentleman, he wasn't just concerned with himself. He was concerned with helping me. Right. So he referred me to this understanding he had of their guarantee. Kohler, their systems weren't perfect, but they did connect to each other and they set expectations that they met. And they did exactly what they said they would do. And in the end, I'm going to get a free valve to fix a um, leaky shower, that's, and it's going to be free. So just customer service leading uh, to an outcome that the customer wants. And for the most part, it was one company referring to the other, helping out the customer uh, in both companies. And overall, it was a really good experience. Well, I was going to say, I think I think the uh – accolades to the hardware store guy for pointing that out because they easily could have tried to just sell you something themselves and accolades to the end result company for replacing it with no, no real hassle once you got to the right place. And when you started to describe about them saying that they don't do that over the phone, you got to go through email. That sounded like a bad sign, but it ended up okay. Um, Yes. It would have been nice if they could have accommodated any methodology you, you called in on and and taken care of it, but, but so be it. Um, yes, but I, I think the end result is, you know, if you're looking down the road and you built a new house or had to replace appliances in your home, you know, I would imagine Kohler is going to be a brand you're going to think a little highly, more highly of than normal because you think, well, these parts, I could always get them replaced down the road lifetime yes. without any questions. So, right. And I didn't even, I was not asked to provide a receipt or anything. It's just, wow. you have this Kohler product. This is a valve. Okay, uh, let, let's go with it. So, and you, to your point, literally after I hung up the phone, I thought if I ever buy any kind of uh, you know plumbing type or faucet or or showerhead type of product again, I'm going to seriously say where are the Kohler products yeah, because sure. I know if something goes wrong, it's going to be fixed and it's going to be free. So that's exactly what we're talking about. That's why it's so important yeah. to 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 you know build that kind of reputation. Yes, that's 40 bucks plus shipping that they're losing kind of from their bottom line. Yes. But if they get you to buy a uh, new shower from them 10 years down the road, uh, it's worth it. You know, it's yes. they've built that future customer. So that's great. Really, really good. Well, thanks for the story, Ed. We both ended sure. on a positive note today, which is a little unique. Normally, we've got some. <laughs> normally, we've got some griping to do on our on our stories. Especially you, Alan. <laughs> I know. Normally, I go negative, but it's been a very positive one. I do have right. a negative one, but I think I'll wait and see next month if we uh, what kind of mood I'm in. I may I may carry that one over another month. So we'll see. Sure. Yeah. Well, listen, you've been listening to Stepping Up Service, our ongoing podcast show about customer service. Uh, My name is Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group. You can learn more about uh, my business and what we do here at the Jackson Group at www.thejacksongroup.com. And Ed Gagnon is with Customer Service Solutions. You can learn more about him and his company at www.cssamerica.com. That's Customer Service Solutions America, uh, abbreviated cssamerica.com. And we encourage you to visit both websites. You can sign up for email newsletter. You can uh, read some blog posts and news and kind of follow along with what we're, what we're working on and doing these days. And, of course, you have been listening to the show on the Mesh.TV network. We encourage you to go back and listen to past episodes if there's topics that you want to explore further on the Stepping Up Service series. Or you can check out other shows that we have available on the podcast network as well. Again, they're all free, able to be downloaded or streamed or synced up with your devices at no cost. And uh, all we do ask is that if you have some feedback for us, drop us an email, drop us a note, let us know questions or ideas for topics we'd love to explore in the future. 
So with that, we're going to sign off. Ed, thanks so much for your time and all the information you shared with us today. Enjoyed it, Alan. Have a good rest of the day. All right. Same to you and take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.